Hello and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Sherjarko, and this fun little episode is all about Clue. We're talking mostly about the 1985 film starring Tim Curry, but we also talk a little bit about the game as well. There are spoilers for the movie in here and all its endings, so if you haven't seen it, go watch it. You'll love it. Or you won't, but we think you will. There are also some brief mentions of sexual harassment and assault in this one, so please take care of yourselves. If you need to skip it, I totally understand. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much to our newest patron, the incredible Sarah Golub, with whom I would feel very safe being locked in a murder mystery house, and to our producer-level patrons, Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, Caitlin Van Horn, and Michael Beck, all of whom I would be super excited to play Clue with over and over again. If you would like to join these magnificent folks, come check us out at patreon.com slash pairing podcast, where you can support us and get access to all sorts of extras for as little as $1 a month. I don't have much else to say before we dive into this one, except that I hope you're all staying safe, sane, and getting vaccinated if and when you can. We got this, everybody. Without further ado, here is episode 76, Clue. But hey, hey Winston. It's me. Hi, we're Winston. back. We're back in the closet. I'm uh, back in the closet again. <laughs> it's been a while since we've recorded an episode together for pairing. It's true. And, and since the hiatus and yeah. and then I record I've I've done a few episodes since coming back from then but not with you. But so we were thinking, you know, let's just do something fun. And kind of lighthearted for this yeah. for this episode, and so we're going to be talking about mostly the movie. Though I do want to talk a little bit about the game of Clue. 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 It's uh, it. I don't know about you. I guess I'll start out actually talking about the game because that's how I got into Clue. Because mm-hmm. I loved the game when I was like seven, eight years old, I yeah, feel like. Yeah, me too. We even had, like, one of the, like, way older sets, you know. Nice. Was, or, you know, old, old-ish, like, from yeah. the 60s, 70s. Nice. Um, and I just, I loved playing playing with all the little I made, and... I made, uh, I made, I specifically remember making my dad and his girlfriend play it with me. Over and over and over again. I'm sure I made my mom and stepdad do it, do it too. But, um, but yeah, I just, I was, I, I just loved the game. I don't know. Yeah, something about the intrigue and you figure stuff out. You feel like a detective. Yeah. And, and, um, and it's just, it's just good. It's just good old fashioned fun. You know what isn't fun about a little murder mystery game <laughs> for children? Yeah, for, um, kids. <laughs> for the kids. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but then I don't remember at what point I saw the movie, but it was still when I was fairly young. Like, I, I want to say I was like nine, ten years old when I first saw the movie. And of course, it, it's me. And so when I first saw the movie, or I, I, I just got obsessed with it immediately. Yeah, me and too, actually. watched it over and over and over again. I loved, like, the three endings. Yeah. I, that's that's mine, actually. Oh. Because you put yours there. Oh, and you put yours next to... Well, I don't want to get your cooties, so... Okay. Well. Yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, and the secret passages I was obsessed with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, well, um, like I said, at one point, I lived in a house where there was, like, there was, like, a little bar area, and then mm-hmm. there was a panel in the wall that you could push back, and, like... For a kid-sized person, there was like a big room, un- like a secret room under the stairs. Right. And I mean, who doesn't who doesn't want to live in, in that house? Like, yeah. who doesn't want to live in the Clue House? Right. <laughs> um, and it's really interesting. I haven't actually looked up how they chose to adapt the game into this story. Yeah. I don't know if you know. I I, I can look it up real quick. I, really I, I looked don't. up some other things. Um, but but I'm so glad they did because it's one oh of the funniest movies. It really is. Like and it holds it holds up perfectly. It does. There's a few things that are haven't aged super well. Like yeah, I guess casual sexual assault. Oh yeah. I mean yeah. I mean it's so, purposeful. Like, yeah, because you know, they're not all supposed to be bad people. Right. They're all supposed to be scumbags. But still, there's like some something about the sexualization of Yvette and. Uh, like the casual way everybody kind of just ass- like assaults her body. And, yeah, well, um, but everyone just stares at her tits the whole the time. whole time. Yeah, I mean, and it, obviously it's 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 on purpose, and in many ways it's like, you know, it, it's very much playing on the farce and the right. like old Agatha Christie style murder mystery movies. Um, and so I think I think everything's done like still purposely i just think it might have been done a little differently were it made today yeah and Not also possibly. the the way they talk about michael mckean's character when they oh when yeah. they think he's gay and then they have that line at the end where he's like i'm gonna go home and have sex with my wife yeah like that's such a that's such a 80s um, way to handle that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, <laughs> he's not really gay. See? Well, that's not how I read it. Uh, the way I read it is that he he's the joke is is that he's the only one who's, who's not who's a terrible, not a terrible person. person at the end of yeah. you know the third ending. Um, but but it's still 1954 and he works for the FBI, so he can't admit right. that he's gay. Uh, so that's that's how I read that okay. is that he's 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 pretending because I saw it in front more of as, his boss. I saw it more as like he was he was a plant the whole time. Like I, he wasn't actually getting. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe. I can see that. I guess I can see that um, that interpretation of it, but that's that's not how I interpreted it. I interpreted it as like he still can't be honest about who he is. So so even though he's you know the good guy, he stills hiding something. I see. That's but more interesting. That's 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 how I always interpreted it. But but who knows? I mean, like I said, it's not a perfect. It's not a perfect movie. Um, but it is, it is super fun. And, uh, and oh my God, Tim Curry. Yeah. The, the trio, like no disrespect to Christopher Lloyd. I think he's great in it, but, um, the trio of Madeline Kahn, Tim Curry and Leslie Ann Warren. Yeah. They're incredible. So, I mean, which by the way, if you haven't seen Victor Victoria, you should, you should go watch that now because Leslie Ann Warren's in that as well. Yeah. And she's amazing. And she plays a, she plays like a low class, like mafia girlfriend mm. but there's elements of miss scarlet in her yeah and um yeah i think she's great as miss scarlet oh she's I wonderful remember, for some reason i remember when i first watched the movie um like my parents didn't think she was a good actor or something and i was like well i'm young and impressionable so i'm gonna believe whatever my parents say but i think she's great i think she's yeah, awesome in she's it. she's so good 
And yeah, I just, I like the, the, the fact that it's really, it's a farce. Mm. And it is, there aren't as many farces that like, once you're familiar with all the jokes that like stay as sharp. Yeah. Um, but like the jokes are um, kind of a mile a minute in Clue and they're all that like madcap farce. Yeah. Um, over the top wordplay and physical gags and stuff. Right. It really just holds up. Yeah. It's just, it's an ensemble piece. It's like, it's like a piece of theater, you know, it's like a a piece of almost like Commedia dell'arte or something. Yeah. You could easily see recreating it as like a play or or as as one of those murder mystery parties. Yeah. It reminds me. You just need somebody really in good shape to play the Tim Curry part. Oh my God. He's running all over the house and just keeps knocking over Michael McKee. I know. (laughs) It's really. I mean, they're all they're all amazing. Like every er, yeah. everybody is great in it, but but Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, and and uh, Leslie Ann Warren, and and Michael McKean, I think, is very funny too. Yeah, yeah. He's he's not he's just not given quite as much to do as um, as the rest of them are, or or as those three. He's the, he's are. the straight man. Yeah, ironically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I also I, I definitely didn't remember how much of a scumbag they make Christopher Lloyd in this. Oh yeah, he's awful. He's so terrible. Yeah, I used to love him because of Back to the Future. Well, which and, came out the same year as Cluded, which I discovered just, last night. So that was a big year for Christopher Lloyd. Those are two very different roles. Yeah, within like <laughs> 30 seconds of meeting his character, his hand is on Leslie Ann Warren's ass. Yeah, and then he's staring at Yvette's tits. Oh, and yeah. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable, um, especially like knowing and loving Christopher Lloyd in his role and his many roles. I mean, I have no idea what Christopher Lloyd is like as a human being, but I I, I feel like he's a perfectly you know, nice yeah. person. When he was uh, but, he's He's so different from role to role. Like he's really different as his character in Taxi, who's mm-hmm. like he's like a guy who almost never talks or something. Yeah, you know, in yeah, Taxi. that's right. And I forgot he was in that. Kind of like almost like a lurch type character. And yeah. then in this one he's he's pretty understated but scummy. And then of course as as prof as as Professor uh whatever it is. Plum. No, no, as as Doc. Doc. Oh, uh, in back, Marty! in Back to the Future. One point twenty-one gigawatts. Oh my god! Oh my god! Why can't Doc uh, Brown? Doc Brown, thank He's you. Doc Brown. That's right. <laughs> I just, I just think of him as Doc, cause, yeah. cause he just calls him Doc in that. But hi, yeah. pretty princess. We have a very uh, alert studio manager <laughs> in here. She says, "This, we, what are you guys doing? It's been a long time." Okay. So, I have some wine stuff to talk about, but I just want to do a quick little skim of the Wikipedia here. Yeah, and I don't know if this is true or not, but the lore that my parents told me about this movie was that when it came out, it would be playing on multiple screens in the theaters that played it, and you would actually have to go to a different version of it to see the different endings. I believe that's true. So, like, I I only ever saw it on video, obviously. Yeah, Um, me too, which has all three endings. Which has all three, yeah. But And the the three endings are Miss Scarlet, Miss Peacock, and then, like, everybody, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, Tim Tim Curry is... um, is ultimately the villain in that one, but like oh everybody gosh. killed somebody. Right. Um, okay, so I'm finding out so much. Okay. Just from in real time. Okay. 
So I'm just going to read this real quick. The multiple ending concept was developed by John Landis, who claimed in an interview to have invited playwright Tom Stoppard, writer and composer Stephen Sondheim, and actor Anthony Perkins to write the screenplay. The script was ultimately finished by director Jonathan Lynn. Well, um, whoever this Jonathan Lynn guy that's is. A lot, that's a lot of big names in yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, a fourth ending was filmed, but it was removed because the director thought it really wasn't very good. Um, oh, in that one, Wadsworth had com- had committed all of the murders. Oh, okay. But and, um, and I forgot that at that the third ending is that like all of them except Michael McKean kill somebody. Yes. Like Scarlet yeah. Scarlet kills a vet, Miss Peacock kills the cook. No, uh, Miss Peacock kills the cook. Professor Plum kills who they think is Mr. Body in 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 the last version, Tim Curry is Mr. Body. Um, right. Scarlet uh, kills the the cop. Oh, she kills the cop because he used to drive for her. No, he he's her informant, or oh, he she oh, pays him. She off. pays him off, and then and, uh, and then the motorist. Colonel Mustard kills the motorist. Okay, so that um, and that was his driver. That was his driver the in the war. And then I thought Professor Plum also killed the singing telegram because she was one of his patients. No, that that's the one that doesn't make sense. But Mrs. White is the one who kills Yvette, which I just learned because that's the famous flames. 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 I just. I played her. So much. <laughs> so oh, good. Madeline Kahn is so good, and I just learned she improvised that. Which, <laughs> I, in watching in watching the the movie, I um I was like, I bet at least Madeline Kahn and Tim Curry are improvising a bunch of this. Like what the moment I forget what it is, but it's in one of the endings where uh, Madeline Kahn just goes. <laughs> like she, she definitely just improvised that. Um, yeah, she talk about someone else who's a fucking genius. Oh my god, and between, taken well before her time. Between her performance in Clue and um, Blazing, Blazing Saddles. Saddles and Young Frankenstein, <laughs> she's yeah. she's oh, untouchable. I she's in Young Frankenstein. Yeah, is she in High Anxiety too? Is she in like all those yes, Mel Brooks movies? Yes, she is. I believe. Um, yeah, but <laughs> is it true what they say about how yeah. you people are gifted? <laughs> it's oh, it's true. true. It's, it's true. true. It's true. And I can never talk about it without saying. Yeah. My favorite apocryphal story is that Richard Pryor co-wrote the script. We're talking about Blazing Saddles. Yeah, now, this is Blazing by the Saddles. Way. Richard Pryor co-wrote the script for Blazing Saddles with Mel Brooks, and he had originally put in that line after she says, "Oh, it's true. It's true," for um, Cleavon or whoever you know the character's name, Bart, I think. Yeah. Um, to go. <laughs> Stop, you're sucking on my arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, no, that's too filthy, even uh, too for Mel Brooks. Yeah, even for Mel Brooks. Um, okay, also very interesting. Oh, but what I was going to say is in, in that version, Wadsworth kills the singing telegram. In the the one where everybody kills somebody? Yeah. Okay. It doesn't make a huge amount of sense because... Well, he says something about disposing of my network of spies. Right. So she's like right. the last piece of that, yeah. that puzzle. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, I'm also finding out, apparently Carrie Fisher was originally going to play Miss Scarlet. Oh. But couldn't, uh, because she, that was right when she was getting treatment for That her. was, oh, okay, when yeah. she was, when getting sober and yeah. writing yeah. postcards from the edge. I think so, yeah. Let me see. Um, also, apparently, I don't know who Leonard Rossiter is, but he was the first choice to play Wadsworth. The second choice was Rowan Atkinson. What? Which also would have been fun. Oh, yeah. But 
But uh, I think it would have been a little bit more like deadpan, maybe. Well, it depends on how he decided to play it. Mm-hmm. Like if he went the black adder route, you know, he it would have been a little bit more deadpan. Though, but I don't think he. Maybe they'd started Black Adder, but I don't think they'd they'd done all of Black Adder because I guess they decided he wasn't well known enough. Okay. Um, but, but Tim Curry at that time, well, like, he'd done Rocky Horror, right? Oh, okay, yeah. So he'd done so, Rocky Horror, and, yeah. But he'd also the other like big credit of his at that time, I think, was uh, um, oh my god, it's the one where he plays the devil. Is it's called oh, Legend, and it stars like a very yeah, young Tom Cruise. Yeah, and Tim I... Curry is like, oh, sunlight mm-hmm. is my destroyer. Mm-hmm. It's just like so cheesy. Yes. Um, also, did you know that Tim Curry had a stroke like eight years ago? No. And and he's been in a wheelchair ever since. Oh my god, that sucks. I Poor know Tim Curry. it sucks so much. So apparently, he's been doing mostly voice voice acting. Since then, was so sad. Um, well, we thought this was gonna be lighthearted. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> no, I'm, Tim I'm Curry sorry. is in a wheelchair. Well, Madeline Kahn is dead. I know. I know. <laughs> we still have Leslie Ann Warren. She's still with us. I know. Well, and we were most recently watching um, Will and Grace, and she's on Will and Grace. Yeah. And I did not recognize her. Yeah. And you, you yeah, called I, it. You I were... did. Um, and because in that she plays a very similar part to when she plays Norma in Victor Victoria. Mm-hmm. It's very much. She's got that kind of yeah, you know, little, and I didn't. I want it. And I didn't recognize her because I really only know her from Clue, and yeah. and she's got a little bit more deeper register, a little more vava voom to her. Yeah, she's she's got the she's the one with their boobs hoisted up and oh, Will yeah. and Grace. Oh yeah. Um, okay, so so uh, so that's some so that's some interesting stuff that I just learned just from looking at it. I can't find anything about how they like came up with the whole story, but I guess I guess it was just a stroke of inspiration. Um, so I, I did want to talk about some wine stuff. Um, and because because the the setting is very, you know, like upper class, like based on British aristocracy, you know, mm-hmm. you've got you've got Wadsworth. Um, I focus mostly on French wines because I feel like that's yeah. the French wines are very much a, a symbol of of kind of that that kind of up, right. upper class. Um, and specifically, um, I wanted to talk about cognac because Ooh. cognac is, features heavily in in oh. the. Well, the joke is that they they think that the cognac might be that's might be poison. R- that's right, and it's <laughs> Miss Peacock screaming. Yeah. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mrs. Peacock, played by Eileen Brennan, who I don't know what else she has done, um, but she's great. Um, but so I wanted to talk about cognac for a little bit because I don't think I've ever talked about it on the podcast or at least in a very serious way. But, um, so cognac is a brandy. Um, and I don't know if people necessarily realize this, but brandy and cognac and Armagnac specifically are, um, it's a, it's a spirit, but they're distilled from grapes. So. Are they called fortified wines? Or no, no, that's a port. That's a port, yeah. Okay. Um, so so these are spirits because they are distilled. Okay, um, so they're so made they're, more like liquor, but yeah. they're made with grapes as like a main ingredient. Exactly. So so the first step of making cognac and armagnac um, and other brandies is, as far as I understand, I don't think it's exactly the same, but the first step is sort of like making wine. Like you let it, you let the grapes sit and ver- ferment for a while, but then they're distilled. Um, I see. And 
And so, um, ac- actually, what it is, it's usually it's often brandy or a similar spirit used to fortify fortified wines, like mm. port. Mm. You get a little cat hair in there. No, I think maybe. Little, I don't know. A little cork or maybe, uh, maybe. Uh-oh. Don't know. It's fine. <laughs> well, carry on. I, I I promise I didn't poison it. <laughs> 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 what we thought was a lighthearted episode ends in murder. <laughs> murder. Um, no, I promise I'd never murder you. Thank you, baby. You're I appreciate so it. Um, and so, but this this you might find interesting, Winston, and possibly listeners. Um, but I don't know if uh, you remember or have ever had. Um, Gascon, which is, um, I know you yeah, have, yeah. Winston. That, and it's a if, kind of white wine, right? Yes. And so Gascon is a white wine made from, often from the same grapes used to make... Cognac. Cognac. Oh, cool. Um, which I think is, is interesting because they're sort of weird grapes and they're coming from... Uh, Cognac and Gascon are coming from the southwest of France. So sort of south of Bordeaux. Um, okay. For those of you who know where that is, so they're going to be not necessarily where Marseille is, but in that quadrant of the country. Yes, that's, that's between Marseille and the Pyrenees Mountains and the border. Yes, of Spain. I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. That's a cool area. Um, I think that at one point that was that was Anjou, for oh, for you for you history nerds out there. Interesting. Um, it's and possible that I'm I'm wrong. My 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 geography, as I've always said, comes mostly from my wine knowledge. So, um, yeah, so, so I could be wrong. And that was oh, see. I can't remember her name, but it, it was it maybe Margaret of Anjou, mm-hmm. or but she was the lady. She's like she's Henry the Second's mother, mm-hmm. and then she was married to a king, and two of her children were king of England after her. Um. Not Eleanor of Aquitaine. It might have been Eleanor of Aquitaine. Okay. It might be that I'm thinking of Aquitaine, not Anjou. It's possible. But that but... but that was British in the 1200s. Yeah. Once upon a time, I knew all of this because of Shakespeare. <laughs> my 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 history knowledge is because of Shakespeare, and my geography knowledge is because of wine. So I have a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, holes in my knowledge. Um, slash, I have forgotten a lot of it, but. Okay, so let's see. That's not very helpful. It's not helpful at all. Well, we'll look it up later. Tell us if we're wrong. But so, so the the grapes, the main grape used um, for cognac that is often used in uh, Gascons um, is Uni Blanc. Uni Blanc. Uni Blanc, which I did not realize or had forgotten, is the same as Trebbiano in Italy. Trebbiano, one of my favorite underrated white wines from Italy. You almost never see Uni Blanc on its own, um, but uh, you'll often see it blended with grapes like Colombard, which is another grape um, used in Gascon and and Cognac. And so I I, I love Gascons. Um, we I've got I've been getting one recently because they're usually like ten dollars a bottle. They're crisp. They're they're refreshing. They're not going to blow your mind most of the time, but they're usually going to be good. So that's why they're one of my, it's a good quarantine wine if you're, if you're on a budget as, as we are. Um, but it's really, really tasty. That and Peak Pool have been my, my go-tos. Well, that and because the liquor store that is closer to us 
has a much more limited wine selection, but one of the things they have is Peak Pour. Yes, and that's and that's one of the Which is, well, they have a bunch of red wines that I like there, but I but that's the only white wine that I like really like that they have yeah. there. So we get we get that Peak Pour. And it's it just goes to show but, you that you can never judge a book by its cover because this is one of those liquor stores that does not look yeah. <laughs> very <laughs> upscale. Like it is a very yeah. dressed down kind of place. Uh-oh, might need to let out Uh-oh. the studio manager. Okay, she was so well behaved. I know, she was. She was really um, good. But yeah, they had that wine and I showed a picture of it to Emma and she was like, oh, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like it's like $13 a bottle um, which for for how good it is, I think, is a really good price. But speaking of speaking of other wines, um, I wanted to to pair wines with each of the characters. Right. Um, and like I said, for some reason, it felt right to focus on French wines, which I think is good because I haven't talked about French wines a whole lot in a while. I feel like specifically, like with the Pan's Labyrinth episode, I talked a little about Spanish wines. I'm always talking about Italian wines. I can't help it because they're the best. Don't come after me French people <laughs> I like French wine too and Spanish wine but so uh, for Professor Plum I uh, he was the easiest one that came to mind for me uh, he's a Malbec for Ooh. sure um, and but I thought it would be interesting to talk a little bit about Malbec because most people most people when they think of Malbec they think of Argentina but Malbec does come from France um, it's one of the five grapes of or one of the five main grapes of Bordeaux um, which people don't necessarily always know, um, but it's often used in blends. Um, it's also uh, there's a it has its own appellation in France called Cahors. Oh, yeah. So if you see a Cahors around, that's um, that's a Malbec grape. That's a Malbec. Okay. Yeah, Cahors is the region. Malbec is the grape. They sometimes call it colloqu- colloquially Cote, just C O T. So co probably pronounced. I don't know. I don't speak French. Um, in in that part of France. So if you see if you see a bottle that says cote on it, that's also a Malbec. Um, and French Malbec is different traditionally from uh, from Argentine Malbec. Um, you know, speaking in broad terms, because the soil is different and the winemaking history is different. Um, it is much more kind of savory, I would say. It's a more savory kind of kind of chewy example of Malbec rather than the kind of fruity juicy that you get in Argentina. That's an overgeneralization. Um, there's there's definitely in-betweens and you know, there's definitely Argentine Malbecs that are not fruity and juicy, and there's definitely French Malbecs that are not super earthy. So, um, but I thought that was a good one for Professor Plum because you know my. Also, it's a it's Malbec is has that classic kind of plum color to it. Uh, Malbec yeah. is very aesthetically pleasing to me, even if it's not always my favorite grape. Um, but yeah, so that was a good one for Colonel, Colonel Mustard. Which sidebar. Um, as like a you know seven year old girl, I uh, I would always play as Colonel Mustard. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would we... always play as Professor Plum. Interesting. I was okay. I was gonna ask because I Professor feel like Professor Plum or Mr. Green. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think maybe as time went on, I'd play as Miss Scarlet. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's always been a dream of mine to to be a brothel mad. <laughs> be, be a brothel mad. I mean, it suits you, yeah. but. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I always felt uncomfortable with Miss Scarlet because she is very much like sexualized even yeah. on the cover of the board game usually. Yeah, yeah. She's and got she even in the older versions she's got like the huge, you know, ballroom yeah, kind of gown. Yeah. Yeah. Um so uh so I think I always felt uncomfortable playing as Miss Scarlet, which is probably good. Yeah, but I, I, guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's a there's a reason for it. But uh I also saw recently apparently they got rid of Mrs. White in the in the like standard game. Really? Yeah, and they replaced her with an Asian character. So it's like Dr. Orchid or something. Huh. I'm going to look I'm going to look it up. Uh I just saw this. Which to me is weird because it's like these are just colors. You know, yeah. like like it's like because her name is Mrs. White Everyone does is not just mean named. she's white. Like why yeah. don't you just change the artwork of the but but I mean I'm I'm certainly glad to have more representation but uh, is it? We have the Firefly versions. So. We do. <laughs> so we it's do. All, it's which all... is which is very fun. Yeah, they got rid of because oh yeah, because also in the in the game, Mrs. White is supposed to be the like the maid. Oh, Doctor Orchid. Yes, that's the new the new character, which is like which is fine. But again, you can just like Mister Green can be black. You right. know, you know, like uh, Miss Scarlet could be Colombian. I don't know. Like they're not. Yeah. They're you know. It, I I don't know. I feel like that's that's more on the artwork than the names themselves. But what do I know? What do I know? I'm glad to have more representation and diversity. Also, uh, Doctor Orchid is a little bit like sounds like Doc Ock. It really, like what? makes me think of like a Marvel villain or well, something. It's, it's, <laughs> it sounds more like Orientalizing than yeah, you know, right? It's, it's like calling her like Doctor Green Tea Fan right, Chopstick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there is something about that that feels wrong. Like, yeah. Like I guess I get the intention. Yeah. But, yeah. But I mean, it, the, sure. It, it, Seems weird because they have changed like the artwork and appearances many times, and there's so many different adaptations of Clue as we as you mentioned. Like we have the Firefly version, um, so it just it seems like a weird a weird way to try to do that. It's this left wing cancel culture. Yeah. Out of oh control. yeah, I know, right? They canceled Mrs. White. They canceled Mrs. White. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Okay, but back to back to my pairings for the different characters. Okay, okay, because I was talking Colonel about Mustard. Colonel Mustard. Um, he's got to be an Alsatian white, um, like a Pinot Gris or something. Okay. Because they can be they can be really good and crisp, but um, sometimes they they can be, uh, for lack of a better word, a little flabby. Oh. Um, uh, <laughs> not saying that not, nothing nothing against his his appearance good old colonel mustard but i was also thinking you know like he is a war veteran and around the time that this came out like the war would probably be referring to yeah world war Two and alsace is that that region between in it i mean it's in france now but it's between france and germany and there's a lot of um there's a lot of german influence in Alsace and in the in the wines of Alsace as well, mm. so I love Alsatian whites. They're some of the best. They're some of the best white wines in the world. Check them out for sure. 
Um, Mrs. White, and specifically the Madeline Kahn Mrs. White. Uh, got it. Got to be a Sancerre. I think mm. she's very, because she's very, like, direct, but you know she likes her good, her good swill. Yeah. Plus, everybody likes Sancerre, so, you know, yeah. you could poison it pretty easy. Yeah. did she poison yeah, her husband or something? That's the joke, yeah. Uh, or, I, I forget if that, if that's true or not, but there's... They're they're frequently suggesting that she she kills her husbands and right. possibly dismembers them. Flames <laughs> <laughs> on the side of my face. Um, also, also her other greatest line is, "I believe husbands should be like Kleenex, soft, strong, and disposable." <laughs> She's so good. Um, meanwhile, Mrs. Peacock, I feel like, is a Chardonnay. Mm. And she's probably... She's, she's got the cougar juice. Yeah, she's definitely the cougar type. Um, at least, at least you know, in the... Since I'm sticking with, uh, with, with French varietals, Miss Scarlet's got to be Gamay, which Ooh. is the, the wine of Beaujolais. It's just very, very sexy wine. Very saucy and juicy. It, it is a saucy, juicy wine. I love, I love Gamay and... and and Beaujolais. It's also a really, really pretty color. Um, not quite scarlet, because of course I was thinking like, what's a good scarlet wine? And maybe like a Pinot Noir is closer to a scarlet color. Mm. I mean, but scarlet is like bright red, generally. So if your wine is bright red, with some exceptions, you might want to be concerned. <laughs> yeah, I, get, I get scarlet and crimson confused as to yeah. which one is, is the darker hue. Crimson is darker, I believe, and scarlet is like, like, yeah, fire, like fire yeah, engine. it's like that that color. Ah, uh, yes, the scarlet letter. That's crimson. Uh, a little more a crimson, a little more purple. A crimson there. wine is is appropriate, I think. Mister Green, I wanted to give a Cabernet Franc because uh, because Cab Franc often has a kind of greenish green note to it. Um, especially coming from France, you can get some that are really kind of strange um, and really herbal and earthy and funky. Um, I love Cap Franc, but so I but I feel like that's a good one for him. And then for Wadsworth, <laughs> for Wadsworth, I was thinking about a region in France, which is a really great wine region. If you ever want to impress your your wine snobby friends. Uh, this is a this is a definite bonus one, which is the Jura, the region of the Jura, not to be confused with the small island in Scotland where yeah, that, Jura whiskey comes makes from. Whiskey, yeah. Um, but this is this is a region in southeast France, I believe. I I could be sort of sort okay. of wrong there, but they have they. I mean, they do like Pinot Noir and Chardonnay and stuff there as well. It's yeah, it's like. It's like to the east, southeast of Burgundy, I think. But anyway, um, I'll I'll double check that. But um, but they also make they're they're super into like the natural wines there in the Jura, mm. um, and so they, so you know, I mean, I've talked about natural wines a million times. I'm not going to talk about them, but they do they do them really well there. Whether you whether you like it or not, they do it well. But they have some really weird varietals also that I think uh, can work for 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 Wadsworth because he's so weird and zany <laughs> um so there's a there's a red wine called pulsade which is a very light wine light red wine that almost has can almost have like a little effervescence to it but it's got a little funkiness to it um it's a really cool really great wine 
um, that you don't see too often. So this is getting super geeky. There's also a white wine there called Sauvignon, not to be confused with Sauvignon or Sauvignon well, Blanc. Yeah, your but, butler is traditionally supposed to to know a lot about yeah, uh, all the different yeah. you know things the household wants. Right. So, so it would make sense to pair him with a more obscure, mm-hmm. lesser known grape that that has many layers to it. Exactly. And were and and you know, were he played by Rowan Atkinson and maybe portrayed a little bit more kind of deadpan straight. Maybe I would have gone with something slightly more traditional, but uh, Tim Curry is so, so zany and fun. Yeah. Well, so here's a, here's a question I have. Yes. Is um, if, I mean, obviously there's nothing wrong with Clue. It does not need to be remade. The but, movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if, if you were making Clue today. Mm, who would you cast? Who would you cast? Oh, this is a fun one. I love yeah. these. I love recasting stuff. Um, let's see. I feel like character actress Margot Martindale. Oh, she's got to be, be in a, it. Would be a good Mrs. Peacock. Yeah, she'd or... be a great Mrs. Peacock. Um, I love that. I love that for her. Um, and the prob the problem is, I mean, Madeline Kahn and Leslie Ann Warren are so iconic. I know they are. It's, it's hard to see anybody. I could see also Phoebe Waller, not Phoebe Waller Bridge, but um, the um, the lady who played the queen in The Favorite. You know, and who plays? Oh, Olivia. Coleman. Olivia Coleman. Yeah. yeah, she'd be a great. She'd be a great Mrs. White, yeah. or or she could she could do that. Um, but Phoebe Waller Bridge is a fun one too. She could be a fun Miss Scarlet. Oh yeah. Or I'm trying to think, just like let's cast more diversely. Yeah. Um, since we're not hedged in by. Well, if we wanted to stick with an Asian character playing the Miss White part, we could go with Aquafina. She's, oh my God, Aquafina would be amazing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um. um Professor Plum or Mr. Green, I think, honestly, I could go left out of left field and cast um, John Mulaney as Ooh. Mr. Green. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I'm here for it. Professor Plum. I'm trying to think who could be like a, a, a good kind of skeevy character. Laurie could probably do it. Oh yeah, he could though. He's 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 almost of this generation oh, of these right. actors. Yeah. Not to say that can't can't do that, but he's he's a little bit closer to them than he is. Oh, you know who who would be good if we're going somebody younger is um, either Mitchell or Webb from oh, that Mitchell and that Webb, Mitchell and Webb yeah. look. Are we the baddies? Are we the baddies? You know, for Wadsworth, that'd be nice. Or... Yeah. Oh yeah, that could be. That could be fun. But yeah, in Peep Show. Actually, John Mulaney as Wadsworth could be very fun too. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, he could do the he could do the comedy for sure. Ooh, we could do like Keegan Michael Key. Oh, he'd be good. He, yeah, he'd yeah, be good Professor Plum. Yeah, he'd be he'd be fun. Jordan Peele could be could be Colonel Mustard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to find. I want to think of a good Wadsworth because I feel like like the thing about these characters too is that they. I mean, they just created s- stories for them. Yeah, yeah. You know, They're, so you can you can recreate Clue with different yeah, versions of these characters. Have to be those archetypes. Right. Right. Oh, you but, know, uh, John C. Riley might be a good Colonel Mustard. Oh, he would be fun for sure, for sure. Let us know who you would cast in a modern day remake of Clue, and we're gonna we're gonna keep thinking about it too. Um, I want to I want to come up with a good a good Wadsworth. Kate McKinnon. Oh yeah, actually, that would be cool. That would, uh, she would be, be really good. She'd be funny. 
while we're while we're casting out of SNL, Leslie Jones would probably be a fun oh, curveball to throw. Yeah, uh, I mean now, I mean now, I'm thinking if you remake it, you could just you could just cast it with all SNL people. Yeah, but um, yeah, who would Leslie Jones be? Who would, would I? Be? I think she'd she'd be a pretty hilarious either Mrs. Peacock or Mrs. Scarlet. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of her being with Miss Scarlet. Right. Um, these are all very, very fun to think about. Um, I love thinking about, like, alternate casts and, and how it would change everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, not just for Clue, but for, for, for lots of things. It's, it's just, it's such a, it's just, a, like, a, a remnant of... It reminds me a lot of Frasier in that mm. its comedy is very... Like old school in yeah. its in its form, but a lot it, of physicality. But it's as well. it's made timeless by yeah the physical comedy like all the advancing stuff. Right. Um, yes, definitely. Like there's a big overlap I think between um, Niles and Wadsworth in mm, terms of like mm-hmm. the physical comedy that they both do. Um, definitely. And it's like, it's broad, but it's not Mel Brooks broad, you know, like if yeah. you want to, if you want to view it as a serious movie, you can, you know, it's not like men in tights where we're going to break the fourth wall and, you know, do a yeah. musical number and, you know, yeah, I, I, I not think that there's so. anything wrong. I mean, it's with that. definitely a farce, you know, it's definitely, it's not taking itself seriously. Yeah. It's the, very yeah, much the characters a, are very big and the characters are very big and it really feels like an ensemble piece yeah. to me. And I mentioned this to you last night. I was like, while we were watching it, I was like, I feel like a lot of this was all just done in one take and they were like, okay, great. And or a lot of it was improvised from yeah. take to take, maybe. Cause it feels like like as an actor, I can see like that half second of hesitation occasionally in in them. And it, that made me feel like you know, oh, maybe they're they're like improvising so much of this, and knowing Madeline Kahn and Tim Curry, they're they're brilliant yeah. performers. And so they, they can... I mean, they all probably have background at in the, oh, yeah. in the live theater. Absolutely, it, it's very it's very theatrical. It reminds it's... me a lot of Irma Vep. Um, that I have not seen. I know. I need. To, I I've tried to get you to to or I mean, I'm not sure where we could see it, um, but read it at least. But Irma Vep is different because it, it's it's very much a, a queer, it's a two man comedy where they where the two the two actors switch off playing six characters. Oh, that's um, cool. So it's a it's a murder mystery, but it's very um it's it's much more queer. Um, I got you. So a little but, more little more kids in the hall. Yeah. Kind of a feel. Yeah, definitely. Ooh, they they might. Ooh, one kids of them. In the hall. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Say, like David, I could see David Foley. <laughs> David in there. Foley. Oh, he'd be a fun Mr. Green. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Or Plum. Yeah. Um, that's right. We didn't think about casting queer actors. Or yeah, I mean, not I mean, specifically. I guess but... Aquafina is Aquafina by. I, I don't know. know. Um, Kate McKinnon is gay. Yeah, but, that's right. Um, well, live your best life, Aquafina. Yeah. I, and Kate McKinnon. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think that would be cool, and it's it's just so fun to find something that, you know, this came out, what, 88? Five. 85, okay, mm-hmm. so a year before I was born, mm-hmm. and 34 years later, we're laughing our asses off yes. at this movie. And, and like, it's big, also, loud belly laughs. It's also, I get I get it, it's a, it's a specific kind of humor, and you have to appreciate it for the, the silliness of it right um and if you don't i mean because i i know a lot of people like look down on clue and and i think that 
If what? you if you oh yeah, a lot of people think it's trash. Get your shit together. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you people? I mean, there like you know, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing, A, but if it's not your thing, then I think you're missing the point, you know? Yeah. And and also I think there's something about being raised on on Mel Brooks and right. and like British comedy. Yeah, because there's a that, lot there's a lot of really rapid fire, um, like punny type jokes yeah. that are features of things like, you know, the the like the Foley's or, or mm-hmm, whatever, like the mm-hmm. the like there's the yearly pantomime or whatever mm-hmm. here in Santa Fe, and that's that's always it's I I used to have a writing partner named Robert Knott, and mm-hmm. he, all of the comedy in Clue is very much his style, you know, on that that kind of like walk this way, you know, and they they walk exactly yeah. the same stuff like that, and like the gag of the the like. To make a long story short, too late. Too late. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like that, that those kinds of gags. Yeah, um, your the recurring vocal tics. And yeah, stuff. I also think it's I also think it's really fun to watch if you're an actor because you can tell that these actors are having so much fun and and also working very hard. You know, because comedy is really hard. Yeah, it's really hard um, and so so physical when, yeah. when it comes to Tim Curry, especially. Oh my God! I mean. I, Oh, yeah, this was a question I wanted to ask. So I was talking with um, John Paul Sorelli on his podcast, Celluloid Bastards. Go check it out if you haven't. Um, and his his format of this new season for him is just to talk to his guests about, like, their their general movie taste and how it became the way it is. And I, and I was talking to him, and at one point I brought up Clue, because Clue is one of the movies that I just watched over and over and over again. And it's very much like my sense of humor. Yeah, me too. Um, but he, he pointed out, you know, talking about Tim Curry, he's like, he's, he said, I, I feel like when you, when you talk to people about Tim Curry, everybody has like their iconic Tim Curry role. Their, the Tim Curry inception. They, yeah, that they think of when they think of Tim Curry. I, mine might be Clue also. I, I think, I mean, mine is definitely Clue. I mean, uh... Because I see, I saw movies that he was in much later, around yeah. the time I was starting to get Clue. But like him as the, you know, the bad guy in McHale's Navy is not like right. the, an iconic role for him. Right. He's just kind of. He is it in, in um, Muppet Treasure Island. Oh yes, which that, I did watch that a I lot. saw um, a lot, and he's and he's also in Home Alone Two, which I had forgotten. Gotten. Wait a minute. Is yeah. he like does he play the butler in yeah, that? As yeah. like the hotel's butler? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Oh, I forgot he, about that completely. That might be the first had, Tim Curry. That might be I'd the seen. first one that I saw too, but it clearly didn't make the impression no, that Clue Because he's just made. like a kindly butler. Yeah. Right? And there's well, I wonder for how many for how many people uh well either um oh my god, Pennywise, because he, he was Pennywise. Oh, I forget. I always forget I he's know, Pennywise. I know, I know. Mean, and he's the devil in legend. Yeah, and and uh, and obviously Rocky Horror. Right, um, Dr. Frankfurter. Right. That's the other big iconic. That's the other big iconic, but, but uh, for most people, or at least people our age, I doubt that that was the first, you know, that those were the first things they saw him in, just because right. they're not really kids' movies. I mean, right. Rocky Horror... Depends. <laughs> yeah. Depends on what your parents are like. But but so, like, I feel like those might not be the iconic Tim Curry roles for our generation. Or or maybe iconic isn't the right word, but, like, the again, the inception right. of Tim Curry. Like, um, 
I feel like I feel like those weren't the first movies that we saw with him. Uh, and so they're they're not like the first implanted in our brain. I don't know. Maybe I'm making it up. Let me look up Tim Curry. Yeah, what Real a career quick. he's had. Oh my god. I wish I had seen him in Spam a lot. Oh. Cuz he's he was the original King Arthur in Spam a lot. Oh, nice. And I saw it I, with Neil pa- uh, well, not Neil with Patrick David Hyde Pierce. David Hyde Pierce. Yeah. yeah. Um and Hank Azaria. And I have the I have the original soundtrack and I saw it on Broadway, but I think I saw the next generation. Oh, Hunt for Red October could be one too. He's oh, he's I forgot as, he was as in the that. like credulous doctor. Yeah, yeah, I forgot he was in that. That for me, that's not that's not a a, a super. Oh, he's been doing voiceover for the Clone Wars, or he did voiceover for the Clone Wars. Nice. That's that's cool. Um, he also narrates all of the Garth Nix books Ooh, or the the right. Sabril and. Yes. Yes, so those I highly recommend those and check out our um, our Sabriel episode. Yeah, he's perfect for that. Yeah, no, he. I mean, he's especially when he does the. the And it's also yes, he's perfect. Yes, he's perfect as the cat. But it's also like it's 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 fun to hear him just kind of in a straight voice for a long time. (gasps) What? Oh, I forgot that. He's Arl Rendon Howe in Dragon Age Origins, oh. which I just played. Oh, that's I, re- right. I actually I remember I remember now that I now that I see that 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 I discovered that it, it's it's sort of weird. I mean, maybe I played the game weirdly, but I remember like meeting that guy and killing him five minutes later. <laughs> so it's weird. Weird well, it's role of, to cast him well, it's in. It's sort but. of like Michael Dorn just popping up in Mass Effect. You're like, I kind of wish they'd given right. me more to do, man. Right. Well, that's what I was saying because I yeah, because uh, he's I mean, bigger. A, if you don't say this is Rex. a this is a sidebar, but yeah. I think I think so. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I think it's got to be Clue for me. I mean, he's had an incredible career, but um, yeah, Clue and Muppet Treasure be, Island. Yeah, are Muppet the, Treasure the Island two was a really big ones. Yeah, because I remember him very clearly from. And those. I'm not sure if he was on uh, the Muppet Show a bunch. He, but I know like Mark Hamill was on there all the time. Yeah, um, no, and I was there were just a few actors that through. I got to know specifically through the oh, Muppet that's Show. Right, and he's Nigel Thornberry in the Wild Thornberries. Oh, cool. Well, that's so, that's, that's a little a, after my time, but um, I mean, it's it's just a voice thing, right. but I do I do remember that. That's pretty clear in my brain. Yeah, dang, what a what a career. And that's amazing too. Also, I mean, because I think you know, you, if you've seen Back to the Future, then obviously that's going to be your big iconic um, Christopher Lloyd role. Right. But so many people in that movie. The other thing that is is so noticeable about him is that everyone has a really distinct voice. Mm. You know, whether it's Leslie Ann Warren, Madeline Kahn, they all, both have that. You know, there's Miss Scott has her thing, and then you know Madeline Kahn is. Well, but and, like all the voices have an iconic kind of feel to them. Yeah. Um, or really memorable feel. Maybe Colonel Mustard being the exception, but like. But you know, uh, but the guy who plays Colonel Mustard, I was like, I remember watching him on something regularly. What was it? 
I think he's he's on Roseanne. He's he's the neighbor. Oh, he's the neighbor on in Roseanne. Roseanne. Okay. Which I remember watching a lot as a kid. Yeah. Before I knew what a horrible piece of shit Roseanne Barr is. Well, but all our faves yeah. are problematic. Yeah. Roseanne was Roseanne was a really good show. It was. In its day. It really was. And talk about something that you think that is like light and funny for most of the time, and then just heartbreaking. Oh my god! I remember <laughs> Roseanne is brutal. Yeah. yeah, Roseanne can be really brutal. But yeah, Martin Martin Mole, I think is the guy who plays. Yeah, Martin Mole is the I guy see. who plays Colonel Mustard. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a great ensemble cast. It's it's a great thing. It's it's just enjoyable to, to for me at least. It's enjoyable to watch great performers having fun together. Right. And I feel like that's ultimately what Clue is. Like I feel like they all like had a few before each take, <laughs> and and just you know, had a ball and had a great time. They probably didn't because because the comedy had to be yeah, so precise. They're, they're you, so sharp. you you actually have to be quite quite on point there. But yeah, so that's 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 what I've got. All right. I don't know if you have any other Not really. Yeah. It's a fun thing. I uh, just... now I want to play Clue. Yeah. It's a hard it's a that's a hard game to play with just two people. Yeah. But uh and and I, I and I love our Firefly version of Clue, but I also want to get one of the the originals because I, I do have such a fondness for memory of that and playing the game so much. So yeah, so hope you enjoy. Let us know who you would cast in a modern day Clue. Uh, let us know who you play as when you play Clue. Yeah. Although it doesn't really matter who controls what piece. At no, it doesn't time. matter what, it doesn't affect what's in the, yeah. what's in the thing. And Highly recommend rewatching Clue if you haven't in a while. Yeah, it's. It I think holds it. Up. I think it holds up, and it not only holds up, but you'll appreciate it even more yeah. in a lot of ways. Watching it as a slightly older person, if you watched it just as a kid. Yeah, because when I was a kid, I wasn't understanding when they kept saying things like communism was just a red herring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they all say that at one point. Yeah, that's the other interesting thing is that it's all it's it's the movie came out in 1985, but it's set in 1954. Right. New England. Yeah, the height of McCarthyism. Um, yeah. And then I, I think actually there might be a New Mexico connection because it's implied, I think, that Colonel Mustard was like with the place he was working mm. that allowed him to sell secrets. Mm. He was like Los Alamos mm. where they developed a bomb. That makes sense. Because they talk about how he's working on the new fusion bomb. Yeah, so that would have it would have been New Mexico, probably, but well, at least, I mean, but at most least pe- most until the end of World War II, it was. Most people wouldn't necessarily make that connection. And there was, uh, you know, atomic secrets stolen from Los Alamos and handed off. Do you remember when Santa we went River. to the, the, the museum at Los Alamos? Yeah. <laughs> and there was this video and they were like, and we displaced all the native people, but they were fine. <laughs> yeah. It was like... Uh, were they? <laughs> yeah, Los Alamos is, is problematic. No, but but it's a but it's a very interesting place, interesting part of American history to to check out. Um, if you're ever in New Mexico, yeah, check it out. All right, all right. Well, cheers, cheers to not poisoning the cognac. Yeah, there you go. Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Sherjarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Sherjarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, 
via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.